Welcome to the Ladybirds Podcast. We are here having open conversations about mental health, sex, and womanhood. Dear diary, my teen angst bullshit has a body count. Don't have sex, because you will get pregnant and die. You can't do anything unless you're the center of attention. Don't have sex in the missionary position. Need a boyfriend who's not such a complete bonehead. Don't have sex standing up. All I see is pork sores. You're a virgin who can't drive. Just don't do it, My name is Mandy, and I love movies, and I love to talk about sex. So that's why I'm here today. I'm Gabby. I love folk music, and I love chatting with my friends. It's one of those things that just feels really good right now. Yeah, right. And we are joined virtually with... I'm Kate. And I never know what to say. You keep it fresh, though. I like ukulele. I like... I say it every time. I like animals, but I really like them, so... Well, we decided, because it's spooky season, we're... Ooh. Ooh. (laughs) We are... pathetic. (laughs) (laughs) We are two weeks away from Halloween, and so we decided let's do a spooky episode. And in the theme of our podcast, we're doing spooky dating... horror stories we're gonna share some of our own we're gonna share some of our friends and then we're gonna probably share some of our fears about dating and intimate relationships and all honestly the scariest part of life Dating is truly terrifying, and I feel like it's only gotten more scary. I mean, no, that's not true. That's not true. We have phones. We literally have trackers. 30 years ago, that was not a thing. I would be much more scared to go on a date with a random person 40 years ago than I am today. That is true. You'd have to find a phone booth and be like, one second. (laughs) I'm trying not to get fucking killed. I'm like, oh, fuck, I don't have quarters. How do I call? (laughs) Fuck. Does somebody want to start us out today with the horror story to uh, dim the lights and let's begin scaring the shit out of ourselves so we'll never date again? <laughs> I think what I find so interesting about this is because I'm not a huge serial dater. Mm-hmm. I haven't gone on many dates in my life. You know, I think the classic one is always some creepy dude that doesn't look like his photo on Tinder and you go up to meet him and you're like, that's not the man I swiped on. <laughs> So that definitely happened to me. And I'm like, dude, you're like three inches shorter than me. We love a good short king. Mandy does. I'm not quite there yet. I'm so sorry. It's just not a preference of mine. You know? I'm height and partial. I love short men. Oh my God, I'm 5'7". Any shorties in the house? 5'4"? You are not 5'7". Oh no, yeah, I'm 5'6". Never mind. (laughs) I'll take 5'6 and shorter. Horror story, as you've said, is kind of just like the classic. I did feel a little bit catfish. He was supposed to be this really cool, hot, sexy music man. He went to Berkeley and I was like, fuck yeah, I'm ready for this. And he just like doesn't look like his photos at all. It wasn't just the height thing. Like to the point where he was waving at me and I was like, I don't know you. I think when I got really annoyed was realizing that the bar that he had chosen was right below his apartment. Ew. I get it. If you just want to fuck, just state that. Just tell me that you just want to fuck. It was just kind of gross. What really killed it was I ended up going to his apartment because I was really curious to see what it was. I was also really drunk and he bought me like an expensive cocktail. So I was like, fuck it. I'm going to go see what this is about. Did you touch his dick? And then he like tried to kiss me and I just started laughing. 
And then I got a text when I got home and was like, don't you think it's a little bit rude to laugh when someone kisses you? And I was like, ooh, no, not if it's awkward. And I was just like, I, and the thing is, like, I wasn't even laughing at him. I was just laughing at the situation. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. What, how did, oh, you hurt his little feelings. You did. did. But this all happened the day before I met my boyfriend now. I knew that I had two dates back to back. But after this date happened, I was like, I'm not going to meet any stranger from Tinder again, especially not tomorrow. So yeah, I was, I texted maybe 20 minutes before our date was supposed to happen. I was like, are we still on? Trying to not make it happen. And he was like, yeah, I'm here. And I'm like, oh, okay, I'm coming. <laughs> I'm glad you didn't let the first guy ruin it. Right? Wait, out of curiosity, did you say anything to the first guy about not looking like his profile picture? Like, did you call him out on catfishing you? I didn't. I, I think I said something of like, oh, you look... I think I made it seem like some of those people that look different. Which, you know, to be fair, Seb also yeah. kind of did that. Because he had a full, like, mustache and beard going. And none of his photos had that. Yeah. Honestly, what scares me the most is you saying that. It makes me realize, now that I'm starting to venturing into Tinder and online dating, how much for me, my attraction comes from their personality. And so my fear... Working retail, I see many attractive men come in and then they open their mouths and... And I'm like, Ugh! and I'm also a person that really, I'm very nervous about dating and all that stuff. I like need to be attracted to their personality. So my fear is that like, you know, match with a very attractive man. And then I meet in person. He's just like, so I'm a republican but socially i'm democratic but like i just don't want you know to provide any sort of programs for those in need so like sorry <laughs> that's just my biggest fear my biggest fear is is to go on a date with a um what do those fucker always say fiscally conservative socially liberal yes yeah fiscally conservative it's disgusting here's the thing i've gone on two tinder dates that have ended really well for me mm -hmm. so i'm kind of you know this is the only form of dating that i really know most of them have ended in that feeling of like i'm not attracted to you and this isn't mm -hmm. what i saw in the photos mm -hmm. which kind of sucks this is one that was on me and it totally sucked but i when i was in early college i had a group of friends that i didn't really know all of the friends of the friends of the friends and one night i think i was really drunk and i just like gave my phone number to a few people to like you know like <laughs> hang out and stuff ma'am i kept getting this call from this person i was like i don't know who the fuck is calling me so my friend was like don't worry i'll fucking handle it <gasps> Thinking that it was like a spam call or something was like, who is this? Who keeps calling? And they were like, um, it's Brian. Is this Gabby? My friend just goes like, oh, it's it's for you, dude. Like, this person knows you. And I'm like, hi, who is this? And they're like, it's Brian. I'm like, oh, hey. <laughs> oh, no. What's up? <laughs> Sorry about that. Yeah. He asks me on a date. And I'm like, yeah, like, let's go on a date. And then I realized that I thought that he was Ooh. his friend. Not the person you're Oh, expecting. no. Oh, God. Did you do the whole date? Yeah. Oh, good. Good. So I, cat I catfished myself. Oh, God. See, I'd be so awkward that not only would I go on that date, I would continue texting that man for the next couple of weeks being like, we're cool. And then eventually being like, <gasps> I think, to be honest, it was, it was made pretty clear that I wasn't interested. This is giving me the heebie-jeebies. I feel like I need to cut the tension with a serial killer fact yes. oh my god yes so, i love murders so the green 
River Killer, a.k.a. Gary Ridgway, who's one of the most prolific serial killers in American history. He killed primarily sex workers. And one of the scariest things I learned was that he would use his son as a way to lull the women and his sex workers into feeling more comfortable getting in the car with him. And so one of the stories that have stuck with me is that he literally picked up one of the women and was like, hey, before, you know, we go back to my place, can I, I just need to pick up my son from school. And so he literally had these, his son in the same car as the woman that he that's horrifying (laughs) it's horrifying yeah it's horrifying i have so many questions about how that child ended up i listened to this podcast where it's a woman and she is the she's the daughter of a serial killer (gasps) and like her whole first season of her podcast is like her going to meet the families of victims of people that her father murdered <gasps> and like talking to them and having conversations with them about it. You you brought up the fact that in what was it in the 70s when there was a spike and yeah, 70s and 80s. You know, there's so many theories about how serial killers like what creates a serial killer and I think the number one thing is like nature and nurture and so nature they find like head trauma and then what's crazy is the nurture side of it they're finding dysfunctional families but the big thing they think is universal collective trauma is a big contributor to spikes in serial killers because obviously that feeds into the families and stuff and so basically they think there was like a big surge in the 60s 70s and 80s because of world war ii and if you think about like those were the kids of those who are in war and so they're saying that there's probably gonna be a big spike in the next 50 years because of covid and just the collective trauma that our community is feeling so like you know just keep an eye out that our kids and the kids after are gonna be like the serial killer booms it's absolutely terrifying and i i'm very curious if men go through these thoughts as well because it's like a genuine fear to be in a world full of serial killers and i know that things are different now because at that time the term serial killer was still being formed yeah and so now we kind of understand the minds the systems a little bit better the methods but it still fucking terrifies me that you could just go on a wrong date and yeah. end up something really badly. <laughs> and that's what scares me. Is like I'm like, what if we go on a date with a serial killer? Yeah. Another fact to break up the dating is John Norman Collins used to pick up women on his motorcycle. The bodies of the victims used to be dumped here and there, but they were always washed. Turns out he only killed women who were on their period. How does he know that they're on their periods at that time? Can he just like sniff it out <laughs> like a fucking dog? Well, and then are there like women who survived him? Yeah. Because they weren't on their period. He like pulls down like, their stay. panties and be like, no blood, fuck this. Your period. Oh Waste of my time. Back to horror dating stories. So this is a folk tale. This story haunts me to this day, but it was like told of a friend of a friend to my sister. And there was a story about this girl who was living in a double. She was on bunk beds and uh, she slept on the bottom one. And then her roommate slept on the top, obviously. And her top roommate brought a guy back and they decided they you know we're gonna do it in the butt which like to each his own and I guess they did it in the butt but a lot of stuff came out and went everywhere yeah you gotta clean stuff before you do that you gotta I know so not only has the story completely scarred me and scared me to do anal with a stranger on the first date because <laughs> I'm that type of girl but <laughs> go 
harder go, go home. Go harder go home. But oh my god, like can you imagine? Like can you imagine? You just met this guy and you shit all over his dick. I'm like, also just very deeply disturbed that they thought it was a fun idea to have sex while someone was sleeping under- underneath. That's not them. cool. Yeah. Like there's no occasion where having sex with whoever you're with while there's someone else in the room who hasn't given you consent. That's not cool. That is a form if of abuse. If you find yourself in that situation, yeah. you're the shitty person. You're the shitty person, literally. So that's like a horror story. I that... hope it smelled horrible. <laughs> oh, can you, I just can't. Oh my god. I wonder I, what kind of shit it was. Oh my so god. Like, what do you oh feel? My... It feels like when that's happening, like it's a plumbing job. So it would be like an. Ex- <laughs> Is it like one an explosion? Not like a turd comes yeah. out. Like an explosion. Yeah. Like a faucet. Yeah. So just to get real vulgar on this podcast, talking about poop. Um, yeah. So that was a story that to this day I think about. Like whenever people talk about doing anal, I'm like aggressively shitting on your partner. Are you ready for that? Are you ready for that? Talking about shit. Apparently puking on dates is a theme in my friends. Really? <laughs> oh, God. Kelly is here. Kelly, do you want to make a quick appearance and tell us about the time that you puked on your date? Welcome in. We, You have such a fantastic story. We thought we'd beam you <laughs> in, girl. I don't know how fantastic it is, but basically, it was probably one of my first times over my ex's place as well. And I just, like, wasn't feeling well. I don't know what happened. I must have had food poisoning or something. But, like, we were sitting on his bed, and I, like, did. I was gonna throw up. So I, like, kind of covered my mouth, and he had a, tra- a like, small, like, bedroom trash can over on the other side of his bedroom. So I, like, pointed at it, because I couldn't talk or, like, puke was gonna come. <laughs> oh. Um... So I pointed at it, and he was like, what do, what do you mean? Like, what are you pointing at? <laughs> and then I just kind of threw up into my hands. Oh, my God. And to be, you guys, Kelly has the tiniest hands. <laughs> yeah. The puke can't be covered by tiny hands. <laughs> it was a mess. Much. Oh, God. And then he was like, oh, God. And he knew what I meant. <laughs> so he went and got the trash can, and I proceeded to throw oh up. Oh, my God. But you guys still ended up dating. Oh, yeah, we dated for, like, six months. Yeah. That's impressive. That's impressive. That's a big hurdle when you vomit or shit in front of your significant other. Like, do you still want to have sex with them? Do you still want to spend time with them? I felt really bad. And that, no, that was the first night I spent the night at his place, (gasps) though. (laughs) I mean, I guess you're soon enough to vomit in your hand. I just think that's such a funny story because something similar happened to my friend Celine with her current boyfriend. So they are, like, they live together now. But apparently on their first date, she, like, had to run to the bathroom after like one beer because she puked or something. <gasps> now they, they live together. And to finish it off with the last puking story that I will tell, I will be done after this. But on my first traveling trip with my current boyfriend, we went to Mexico and we got a little bit of sun poisoning or something. I don't really know what happened. I started feeling bad towards the night, slept through the night, and then woke up and he was feeling bad and he was convinced that having fruits and smoothies was going to make him feel better and I was like... (laughs) Dude, I think there's something called the Brett diet. I think that's what we should be doing. Let's put all the sugar and acid I can into my body. 
so he was like, no, no, that's what I want. And I was like, okay, like, let's go to the like, smoothie uh, place. We went, I'm not feeling well. He's not feeling well. And he's like, I think we need to go. Not even two steps outside of that restaurant. And he is projectile vomiting. <laughs> the rest of that day is wasted on us taking turns having diarrhea in the bathroom. <laughs> But look at us now. Yeah, oh, we're God. happy. That's good. First trip together. Romantic so trip to Mexico. Maybe that's the trick. Maybe yeah. the trick is taking either a like gnarly shit or, or puking yeah. in front of your significant other early on into the relationship. Interesting. I don't know. Maybe puke on the first date is like good luck. So I was going to ask if you guys have ever been on like a date where you're straight up like, Oh, red flag city. And then you like spend the rest of the day being like, how do I get out of here? <gasps> <No>. <laughs> like how do I, how have, do I leave? Have you been on a date with Um Fox Yeah, City? and not in like not in like a scary, scary sense yeah. where I felt like uh this is not like an I survived story. <laughs> I wasn't like trapped in someone's basement. Um but I was in college once and one of my girlfriends, we were like running around drunk one night being crazy people and we met a bunch of people but it's one of those things where like you're drunk and you you met like 40 people throughout the night like I don't remember a single human being I spoke to and one of my friends the next day was like oh um remember that guy you were talking to and I was like I don't know Ashley we talked to a lot of guys like I don't know um and she was like oh well there was this dude you were talking to and we both liked um that CW show Supernatural Ah, so I guess we like hit it off and we were like drunkenly talking about Supernatural for a really long time and she was like oh well I gave him your number because he like wanted to go out on a date with you and I was like oh thanks Thanks. and she like totally thought she did me a solid but I was like you know what we like a same like we like a similar show. It's a date. Like what what the what is the worst that could happen? So he did ask me on a date. Takes me to a smoothie place on campus. Like we don't even actually go somewhere. As he's talking, I'm realizing he's he's not asking any questions about me. I am not speaking and he is just like dialoguing about himself. And at one point he did like use the words like I feel very much like Jesus in that sense. Oh god, oh god. I just sat there and let him talk. We probably <sighs> oh sat there for like the better part of an hour and then we were done with our smoothies and he was like, "Do you want to go out again?" And I was like, "No." No, I don't. No, I'm all good. You, Thanks. It was really nice to meet you. Bye. I, much like you, Gabby, have not been on very many dates in my life. I would say that's one of two actual dates I've been on. And the only other date I went on was the first one I went on when I met my ex-boyfriend, who is the only person I've ever been in a relationship with. The date I had with him was the only other date I've been on. And that one was surprisingly normal. <laughs> Even talking to you guys, this actually makes me feel a little bit better because I really am like, haven't been on a lot of dates like very few like have i ever been on a date or (laughs) yeah you were in a very long relationship so it it does make sense as well yeah i have an issue of uh falling for my friends so (laughs) i you know i i don't have an i survived story either obviously Mm -hmm. but we were talking to our one of our friends alif and he was telling us And it kind of seems like a fucking I survived story because he was saying that when he went to college in Minnesota, he met this guy on Grindr who picked him up and they drove all the way to, was it Michigan? No. It was Missouri. He didn't tell. Wait, I'm sorry. Where was the starting point of Minnesota? Minnesota? It was 50 miles. 
It was like an hour and something drive. Did he he consent to be? Well, he didn't really know where they were going, but they just kept going, and he just kept writing and he said that it was so awkward in the car and no one was talking so he just sat there and got driven all the way he was almost murdered yes he got driven all the way to this man's house and apparently it was like really fancy might have been married not sure he might have had a wife and they hung out for like 15 minutes and then he was like I think the guy wanted to have sex. He wasn't interested. And then he was like, can I go home? And so the guy drove him 50 miles back. I mean, Alif is crazy. If you're hearing this, Alif, you know that you're crazy and you do things that I don't think a lot of people in this day and age would do. In the 60s, totally. Hitchhiking. A thousand percent into it. There's a reason we don't do that anymore. If a guy just kept driving, I'd be like... I would literally start figuring out how to duck and roll out of that car. <laughs> like, I've panicked when like the Uber driver takes the wrong turn. Yes. I'm like, this is it. I'm glad I'm not the only one. But there is... I'm trying to think of her name. But there is a 911 call of like a murder story where a woman did get murdered. I'm pretty sure she hitchhiked. Maybe it's not a 911 call, but the last recording is like she calls like a friend or a family member. So she's like on the phone with somebody. And she just keeps being like, dude like where are we going like you're not driving to the city i can tell you're driving away from the city and like he eventually murdered her but ever since i heard that like i'm paranoid about people like kidnapping me in a car oh i would shit my i won't even i don't even need to hitchhike now dating relationships are so scary relationships are scary they're scary god i think it just goes back to that thing of like you never really know anybody do you (laughs) Dude, I was thinking about that, what you what you said, Kate, where, like, just, you have no idea what's going on in the brains of people. Like, you just don't know. Spending a lot of time with somebody that then turns out to be a serial killer. Or, like, mm. far less just, like, an asshole. <laughs> yeah, it's majority asshole, but right. I'm still, I listen to enough horror podcasts <laughs> to be afraid of the 1% that are going to murder me. Exactly. I know. God. Well, have, have you guys? Yeah. Gabby, you said you've met up with somebody you've met on Tinder. Mandy, have you? I haven't. I have yet to. I've never met anybody that I've met on a dating app before. I met Seb on Tinder. That's amazing. I barely text you, the boys on Tinder. I think are very lucky. <laughs> Seb is a one in a million. I think that's something weird when people go like, oh, that's a success. How do you measure success? In terms of, like, relationship, you know, because, yes, obviously I think this is a successful relationship because we're together and we're working on our relationship day to day. But when people call it, like, a success, and it always tends to be when it comes from dating apps. And I think for a really long time I used to be really embarrassed that I started dating him coming from a dating app. Because there is a lot of weird, like, stigma. Well, and mine is less about, like, the stigma of people being like, how did you meet? And having to be like, oh, I met them on Tinder. But it's more, it honestly is more of the, like, this is who you say you are. But you could also murder me and not look anything like this. And I'm just not quite ready to take that chance. (laughs) I think I always just took it as like, unless you're dating someone that is a friend of a friend or someone in your circle already, it's always going to be that question. That's fair. I'm also like, again, the more I process it, also wondering how much of this is just like 
ingrained hookup culture. Mm -hmm. Mm. Dude, my goal is still to take on one of the band members. That's my goal. I have really bad groupie syndrome. I will 100%. I discovered that when I went to the first concert when I was 16. I have an issue where a man gets on stage and he's so confident and he is good. Holy shit. Dating is fucking hard. It's hard. You both were there when I went through my breakup. And Mandy was there when I went on my first date post my breakup. She was in my room as I got dressed. I was eating Takis and I'm like, I'm not putting myself (laughs) out there. I'm going to eat Takis on her white sheets. I'm just like, come on, man. Come to me. (laughs) Dating is spooky to me. Dating is hard. Dating is hard. Relationships are spooky. It's a lot of emotional exhaustion yeah realizing that all these anxieties and things that you hated that you would see in your parents relationship and then noticing that is forming in how you act and how you are in certain situations in your own relationship and that's such a hard thing to work through I think I totally agree. I used to joke like before I was in my last relationship, I was like, I'm going to be the easiest today. Like I'm a low key person. I'm not like, you know, I don't get mad easily. Oh boy, I learned I'm not easy to date. Just like I'm sure every other human being is not easy to date. I was young and so I would see sometimes my friends would be fighting or I'd hear about their relationships and like I was obviously behind them. But sometimes I'd be like, I think they were like overreacting. Like, I would never overreact. And now vivid <laughs> memories of me being on the street be like, no, I'm going to make a scene in public. I think right now my biggest spooky fear is just like I'm coming to terms with the definition of a successful relationship and that successful relationships can be those that do end and just like grappling with that the fear of investing your time in life with people what happens when that doesn't necessarily end to like building years with somebody but it's that weird in between where you don't necessarily haven't built a life with a person but you did spend many years with somebody it can be worth spending time with people and investing um in others hashtag abandonment issues oh hashtag abandonment i was gonna say are are we getting to abandonment i know damn i know this (laughs) That's my party. Yeah. So I. That's my biggest fear right now. In addition, just to general texting on Tinder. Kate, what's your biggest spooky fear? Well, I know you kind of talked about not being able to like know everything that goes through a person's brain and not ever fully knowing somebody. Yeah, and I guess it's just like the fear of everybody's like a phantom human. You don't really know, and like they can be saying that they're thinking one thing but you never actually know what another but i also that's like one thing in a pile of things (laughs) that makes it hard for me to like open up and have intimate relationships Mm -hmm. with people but i think another facet of it is just the idea of spending so much time and energy investing into another human for the possibility of them to like walk out on you and leave you for no reason and it's it very much ties back into my abandonment issues but i think that is probably the two most spooky things for me about dating. I don't know. I've come to terms with the possibility of being a spinster. I'm very comfortable <laughs> with it because I'm actually like super comfortable with being alone. I guess there is also that fear of just, I want to be alone forever. Yeah. No. So I don't know. It's just this like wishy-washiness okay. of like, yeah. I'm independent and I can be alone and then not wanting to be alone. Some days I wish I had like a crystal ball that would be like, doesn't tell me anything, but just like keep doing what you're doing and like you will find or you will be with a partner 
partner that makes you happy. Like, I could be or fine. Or just be like, you're on the fucking wrong path, bitch. Do it yeah, right. Go to the other end. Go to the end. Text him back on Tinder, you know. I just wish I had something where it's like. A little guidance. Yeah, at the end of the day, like, just keep doing what you're doing. And you will ultimately end up in a place that you're going to be happy when it comes to, like, intimate relationships. That's what I wish I could have. I had that a little bit when my boyfriend and I broke up. I wish that I had something telling me that something was off because I knew it was. And my therapist just goes to me, there was. Your intuition was literally telling you there's something off. Obviously, it's not the same. And sometimes you wish that it was literally just like a fucking poster just stating it to you where to go. But I truly think that in so many ways, you know, whether it's like your career, your friends, your relationships, your intuition is something that I think you should trust. Mm. I think in the first part, I wasn't listening to my intuition and you know now I'm I'm with this person and I trusted my gut and my intuition and him and myself to believe that this was the right path for us to see what happens and of course like we could fail but right now this is what feels the most right I was gonna say I think like with with my last relationship I was the one who ended up making the decision to part ways and like there is always the fear of was that choice the right decision but I think I listened to my gut and I think for a long time I hadn't listened to my gut about how I was feeling under my happiness and I do think we're both in better places now and I'm very lucky because I do have a very positive relationship with my ex trusting your gut is not easy and that's the whole thing too is where like it's just been our society that have told us that like ultimate fulfillment is through relationships when in fact scientifically we're actually we can be happier being alone and i do believe that sometimes you're happier alone than being in a very draining toxic relationship so we've talked about a lot of different spooky dating stories so i think it's about time that we talk about our doing okay moments this week lighten up the mood lighten up the mood guys already know mine just as a psa to everybody even if you have just started a job if that environment is toxic get the fuck out, which is what I did this week. And I probably should not be changing jobs when we're in the middle of a pandemic and like, you know, the worst economic downturn. But you know what? My gut told me the truth and I chose to listen. So starting a new job in a couple weeks and I'm very, I'm doing okay. How's everybody else doing? Mine is, of course, related to Bill Callahan. It always is in some way. (laughs) Your dream man. (laughs) But my boyfriend sent me a comic illustration that his friend had sent him. You can find him on Instagram at KeysHolterman. I think that's how you say it. Not sure. But he did a little comic inspired by the first time that he went to see Bill Callahan. I miss going to shows. And I just think that that comic, he just did such a beautiful job of describing a feeling that I very much felt when I went to see Bill Callahan. And his just like deep, beautiful voice when he says hello for the first time. And you're just like... (laughs) (laughs) I think for me, I am a classic woman, and when I feel like I'm losing control, I change my hair color. And so this week, I was just having a rough day, and so I went home and I cut my bangs a little shorter, and then I just dyed my entire head pink. Don't judge me too hard, but I went to Urban Outfitters, but I went to the discount rack, and I got a... I know, I know, I feel (laughs) like trash, but I just needed... I changed my hair... And I needed a new pair of pants, and I went to Urban Outfitters, there which you go. is evil. But I went to their clearance section, and I found these cute-ass pair of green pants that did not have tags on them, and they were $10. Thank you so much, y'all, for tuning in Yeah. and listening to us talk about terrifying stories. Yeah. 
and tell us your terrifying stories. Yes, please. Please. At Ladybirds Pod on Instagram and Twitter. <laughs> Twitter. We're going to laugh every time we say Twitter because we have a Twitter account. We have four followers, four followers. but we've done nothing. Well, thanks for joining, y'all. We'll catch you next time. Catch you next time. Bye. Bye.